Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. This morning, as we carry on, I want to tell you a little bit about my own dream as we, uh, as we speak this morning. But I haven't forgotten that we're in the Joshua series. <laughs> and uh, we're going to read a little bit of the book of Joshua together. But r- really, I'm using Joshua this morning to, to jump out of and, uh, and, and talk about one particular aspect of something we find in the book of Joshua. But we're using the book of Joshua in our Sunday morning gatherings to um, use the account of his exploits to help us in our own mission as we take the land that God has promised to us. And whilst you might think, well, that sounds a bit far-fetched and uh, very poetic, taking the land God has given to us, well, God has called us to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Amen. And the ends of the earth has got to include Market Harbour, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I reckon it has. And, uh, and, and we do know that God does not want anyone to perish, but that everyone would be saved. And we do know that not everyone is saved in Market Harbour. Yeah. So the land that God is giving to us has got to be the land where people are saved in Market Harbour. Amen. I mean, it, it's what the Bible says. Yeah. So we're, we're not extrapolating something that isn't there at all. You know, God wants everyone to be saved, and this is where he's placed us, his people. Brilliant. Last week, uh, David Lyon encouraged us to be strong and courageous. He encouraged us to read God's word. As we read it, apply the promises that God has made to people before to ourselves. So when, so when God says to Joshua, be strong and very courageous, you know, that's something that we can apply to our own lives. We can see ourselves very much as coming under all of the promises of God because God does not change. I was away this week in the Lake District with Tim. Tim and I went away for a few days together and we were walking in the mountains. And when you walk in the mountains in the Lake District you have a real sense of, first of all, the, the enormous scale of the place, but also the fact that it just doesn't change. And even when you look back at old photographs, there's a lot of books in the Lake District about the Lake District. And when you, <laughs> and when you open them, it's like, well, that mountain looks exactly the same now. And that, and that picture was 150 years ago. And um, there's a guy, a guy called Wainwright, who wrote lots and lots of books about walking the fells in the Lake District. And he wrote them in the 60s. But um, the paths are all still there. Yeah. Nothing has changed, you know. And it's, it's kind of got this long-established, faithful yeah. quality to it. It doesn't change. Yeah. We, can be, we can be sure that when we go back to the Lake District next year, if that happens, mm-hmm. that all the mountains are going to be there and they're going to be exactly the same. Are all the paths are going to be there? And, you know, because there's just this, just this sense of something that's established and not changing. That's just like the promises of God to us. Yeah. In chapter 1 of Joshua, we saw how God, first of all, spoke to Joshua, affirming him as the leader of God's people after Moses had died and repeating his promise to be strong and courageous. He said, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then we read in chapter 1 about how Joshua rallied all the people uh, via his commanding officers and the leaders of all the tribes of Israel, reminding them of God's promise that he was going to give them a land they could call their own as a place of rest. And at the end of chapter 1, after Joshua has has affirmed God's promises to all the people, 
the people then respond to Joshua and they say, we'll do whatever you command us and we'll go wherever you send us and we'll obey you just as we obeyed Moses. So be strong and very courageous. They repeat the promise straight back to Joshua. What a unity among them. Joshua knew that the people were with him. What great encouragement for Joshua as a leader of the children of Israel to know there was such a unity in their purpose together. This is a question I think is really helpful for us to ask. Do our leaders, do my leaders, do your leaders know that we're with them? Yeah, I think, I think that very often there is an, assu- an assumption that, oh, they must know we're with, we're with them. But let me give you an encouragement. You know, speak it out from time to time. You know? Bring an encouragement. We're with you in this. We know God's promises to us. We're with you. We're, we're, we're up for this. We're part of, we're part of the plan. I'm going to read uh, Joshua chapter 2. And um, I'm going to read the whole of the chapter. And then we're going to jump out of a couple of aspects of this chapter together this morning. It says this, Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, Some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up onto the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord, your God, is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, 
you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed in it, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we're not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The spies went up into the hill country and stayed there three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. There it is. That is an account of ancient espionage. A spy thriller. You can almost imagine it being made into a film, can't you? You can imagine it being like a James Bond special. And two spies in their dinner jackets and bow ties <laughs> lying under the flax on this roof. We have this account of how Joshua sent the men to spy out the land and bring him a report of what they found. And actually, there's, a, there's so much that we could say this morning about that passage. But I just want to bring out one really simple thing from it. And it's summarised in, in these, uh, these verses. Verses 9 to 11, first of all. I know the Lord has given you this land, Rahab told them. We're all afraid of you. We've heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea. We know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight you. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. And then the spies come back and repeat to Joshua that conversation. They, said, and they say, well, everyone's terrified of us. The Lord has given us the whole land. The people are so afraid. This is the point I want to make. The people of God had a reputation in Jericho. Yeah. Or rather, God had a reputation in Jericho long before the spies even arrived there. They were the talk of the town in Jericho. There was a reputation over what God had done leading the children of Israel through the Red Sea out of Egypt. That had happened some 40 years before. But the reputation of God and God's people lived on. And there were more recent victories as well. And the reputation of God's and God's people were in the minds and in the hearts of the people in Jericho. And this reputation hadn't been earned by strategic pre uh, preaching. Okay? There hadn't been anyone go ahead and, and, and preach the word of God and all of a sudden there's his reputation among the people of Jericho. Or there hadn't been a leaflet campaign. You know, no one had flyed every house in Jericho to explain about the reputation of God. There'd not been a, uh, an airplane mail drop as, as there are in kind of wars these days where there's a propaganda war that goes out ahead of the real battle. Rahab and many of the rest of the people in Jericho had realised what was really going on. 
And that's borne out in Rahab's declaration about your God, the Lord your God, is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. And here's the thing I want us to, to bear in mind from this. We can expect to be surprised by the openness of people as we share things of God with them. As we go and check out the land, as we go and be among our friends, our neighbours, our work colleagues, we can expect to see times where God, his reputation, and the reputation of God's people has gone before us already on the occasions when we choose to speak about him, as we make our invitations to come along to maybe events that we're putting, about, putting on, uh, maybe when we're starting a conversation about faith, uh, maybe when we are um, just asking really simple questions of people like, uh, so, so do you have a faith? Or what do you believe then? You know, these are real open questions that can be a key turner in people's lives. You know, there are not many people round about us who believe in nothing at all, all of the time. People round about us have all sorts of faith and all sorts of belief. Did you know if someone is, says, is saying to us that they believe there's not a God, they have a belief. Okay, well, it's different to our belief, but they have a belief, they have a faith. You know, it can be argued it takes as much faith to believe there's no God. In fact, more faith <laughs> to believe there's no God when we look at the world around us and everything that he's made than it takes to believe there's an ultimate creator of all things. We can expect to find people who are open to the gospel, the good news about Jesus, all that he's done, that Jesus came because he loves people so much. He came and died upon a cross in order to prove that he was God by rising from the dead and taking away the sins of mankind, that he came to offer people a hope, a future, he came to offer people life, not, not life in the future, pie in the sky when you die. Yeah. Life in the now. Amen. Yeah, abundant life here on earth. And then real eternal hope in the future when our God restores all things. God goes before us. Yeah, that can give us great confidence as God's people when we start to talk about faith issues and what we believe with people round about us. And I'm reminded of um, this verse in Luke chapter 4, which talks to us about the reputation that Jesus had when he was here on earth. And not long after he began his earthly ministry, ministry Jesus had been teaching, and he'd been teaching, um, and people had been describing what he'd been saying as having an unusual authority. There was something, something about what he said and the way he said it. They thought, this is, this is not normal. This is a guy who is speaking like he really knows what he's talking about. And there was one occasion he'd been teaching and, and then he healed a man who had been possessed by an evil spirit and he rebuked the evil spirit and it came out of him. And it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 37, the news about Jesus spread, uh, spread through every village in the entire region. The news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire re region. In the message paraphrase of the Bible, it says this, Jesus was the talk of the town. I like that. Jesus was the talk of the town. In a parallel scripture, Mark's gospel, uh, at the same time, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. 
He had such a reputation that everybody was seeking out this Jesus, the man who spoke with authority, the man who had um, power to rebuke a demon, the power to bring a healing into a life. We were sharing some dreams together earlier. This is my dream. Ready? That we see Jesus as the talk of the town in Market Harbour. That we see the kingdom of God come among this town to such a degree and so obviously that everybody is talking about it. That many are saved. That many are healed and restored. Lots of people are saying, isn't God good? That lots of people are saying, isn't Jesus wonderful? Jesus, the talk of the town. It's it's my dream. It it excites me. It's, It's on my heart. When we... I think we were in a life group meeting. I was with Woody's life group at the start of the year, and they were talking about dreams. And I didn't, I didn't vocalise this at the time, but the question was, what, what dreams do we have? And I was just thinking, yes, it's Jesus, the talk of the town. And the thing is, it's lived with me all, yeah, all these months. It's just been on my heart. Just just can't shake it off. It's like, wow, I want to see a time when Jesus is the talk of the town in Market Harbour. I long to see the reputation of the things that Jesus has done spread across this town. I long to see a time when everyone is looking for Jesus. (laughs) Dream along with me. I want to invite you to. What would happen if there were people who would carry the name of Jesus into Market Harbour, carry the goodness of Jesus into Market Harbour, carry the love of Jesus into the town, show his compassion, teach his message of salvation, his message of hope, of forgiveness of sin, fullness of life now, life after death in a restored world. Imagine, imagine 50 people who could bring the life of Jesus to this town. No, no, imagine 100 people he could bring the life and carry the name of Jesus to this town. What impact would that have? Come on, keep dreaming. 200 people. 500 people. 1,000 people. Bringing the life of Jesus. Not, not just in preaching sermons, but in demonstration of the power of Jesus in the town. You know, I believe that very soon Jesus will be the talk of the town. I wonder, could we find 50 people like that? Could we find a thousand people like that? Well, here's the news. Romans 8, verses 10 and 11. And Christ lives within you and me. (laughs) So even though your body will die because of sin, The Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. So when we ask the question, I wonder if there are people who can be like Jesus in our town. The Bible comes straight back with an answer to us. And it says, yeah, but Christ lives in you. the followers of Jesus, undoubtedly, unequivocally, in that short couple of verses, the number of times it talks about Christ indwelling, the Spirit indwelling, 
it is absolutely unavoidable. You know, there is for us nowhere to hide this morning. <laughs> if we think we'd like to kind of get out of being included in these people who can go out into Market Harbour and show the life of Jesus to the town. We have Christ living within us. We are fully equipped in every way to carry his name to the town of Market Harbour and beyond. You may remember when we first started meeting uh, at the school, we, we would um, talk about our purpose of gathering together uh, by just bringing it into a couple of sentences and would say that we are in Market Harbour to carry the name of Jesus to Market Harbour and beyond, mm -hmm. knowing that as we do so, we'll know the presence of the Holy Spirit who will give us everything we need. And that was a little phrase we kept repeating over and over again because we wanted to make sure that the point of our gathering here in a school hall on a Sunday morning isn't so that we can be inward focused only, although there is a time for gathering in. Yeah. But actually our mission is apt to be outward focused, yeah. to turn ourselves outwards. Yeah. Okay, we can be inwards to build a foundation, to establish what it is we believe, where, where we're placing our feet, um, establish together who, um, who the God is we're serving, what the means for salvation are, but then we turn out. And we turn out into the town and we turn out into uh, wh wherever we're put, in our neighbourhoods, our workplaces, our social circles, wherever we find ourselves, turned outwards people to bring the life and carry the name of Jesus. Let's go back again to Luke's Gospel. Can you turn to Luke chapter 3? I'm just going to read three short sections. We can read this as um, one complete narrative, though, the way it's written in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 3, verse 21, it says this, One day, when the crowds were being baptised, Jesus himself was baptised. And as he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit, in bodily form, descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. And then if you move on, you go past a genealogy in the book of Luke, which is really where Luke is saying to his readers, Look, this is who Jesus is. He's a real person. He's related to real people going all the way back to the beginning of time. But then if you skip on to um, Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And then just skip on again a few verses to verse 14. And it says this, then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. And you'll doubtless see the link between those three little sections of scripture that we've read together. The reports, that Je the reports of Jesus spreading quickly was after he was filled by the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit at the point he was baptised. It says that as he came out of the Jordan River, filled with the Spirit, and he goes into the desert... And when he comes back, he returns to the desert, filled with the Spirit. And as he starts his ministry, the reports about Jesus spread like wildfire. The importance of believers being baptised in and knowing the of the Holy Spirit is something that we teach often, time and time again. And you may even now be thinking, oh, here we go again. We've heard this before. 
but really there is no other starting point when it comes to being an effective witness of Jesus than to allow the Holy Spirit to reside in us. There's no other message when it comes to being an effective witness. Be full and keep being full of the Holy Spirit. We can literally follow the example of Jesus as we live with a spiritual rhythm to our lives of submitting ourselves to God and fleeing from the devil. It's always a choice. It's always a daily choice. Submit ourselves to God. Yielding to the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit never wants to give us second best. When we hear that small voice within us and we think, Holy Spirit, is that you speaking to us? And maybe sometimes he tells us what we really don't want to hear. In fact, sometimes it's easier not to listen at all because then you don't hear. But, you know, the Holy Spirit never wants to give us second best. We can build into our lives a rhythm of yielding to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Day in, day out. Get to know his voice. You'll soon recognise it. He doesn't want to be... The Holy Spirit doesn't want to be mystical in a way where he can't speak to us. Do you remember we were talking a few weeks ago about living in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? a companionship, a walking along with the Holy Spirit. It's a real life-bringing relationship. And you know, the other, the other um, thing that we can do that follows Jesus' example is a surrender to the cross. You know, Jesus literally surrendered to a physical cross and died a physical death. But you know, there are things in our lives, things in my life, which need to die a physical death day after day after day. There might be bitterness in our lives. You know, there might be things, just attitudes within us really holding us back. There may be things in our past which trip us up every time. You know, we think we're going along well with God. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, but remember that thing. It's like, oh yeah, that thing. And, and all your attention is on the thing that happened in the past. You know, maybe a past sin, past indiscretion. Maybe a, an attitude that wasn't right and just hasn't been dealt with. Let's not allow our past to trip us up. Let's not allow jealousy to trip us up. Let's not allow attitudes towards one another to get in the way of pursuing Jesus. If there are things in our lives today, things in my life today, which need to be surrendered to the cross, we can choose to do that. And you know, we can choose to do that on a daily basis. I want to say this as well. It is so essential for us being effective witnesses that we're sort of submitting ourselves to God, yielding to the Holy Spirit, um, surrendering ourselves to the cross, that if we are finding that it is difficult to do those things on our own, then let's do it in, as family, in brotherhood, in sisterhood. Yeah. Yeah? Let's get alongside one another. Yeah. So I'm really struggling with this. Will you pray for me? Yeah. I don't understand this. Yeah, will you help me? Let's, let's be bodybuilders together. I don't know who's ever fancy being a bodybuilder. But, you know, we can be bodybuilders in this body as we encourage one another, as we make a stand with one another to surrender our lives to Christ in every way. I'm challenged in my own life to position myself as a spirit-filled follower of Jesus to be of most use in advancing his kingdom. 
And you know, this is a matter for me of stewardship. It's a matter for all of us of stewardship. <laughs> How can I best steward all that God has placed within me? You know, sometimes when we talk about stewardship, we, just, we talk about money. And sometimes we're not. Sometimes we talk about everything that God has placed in us for purpose that we need to use well. I have a heart to see the kingdom of God come in Market Harbour and to transform the town, actually. I recognise that practically I'm in town very little on a day-to-day basis. That's just not where my patterns take me. I need to change that. I need to position myself differently. I'm going to do that. Seriously, I need to do that. I need to position myself where I can be most useful to the advance of God in Market Harbour. We were talking in our life group a couple of weeks ago about our availability. That is, not being so busy that we've got no time for anyone or anything. And that can be a challenge to all of us, can't it? Yeah, being available is great. Being available as a spirit-filled follower of Jesus, knowing our purpose and our calling, is even better. (laughs) Yeah, we can be available and we can be just like everybody else. But we can be available full of the Holy Spirit, knowing full well our calling, knowing full well our requirement to be a witness to Jesus, to know our purpose. That's the best place to be of all. And of course, if Jesus is going to be the talk of the town, and my dream is that Jesus will be the talk of this town, we're going to need to do at least some of that talking ourselves. All of us. I want to encourage us this morning to find our voices. To find our voices individually, because that's going to help us to find our voice together. I believe that together we have a really powerful voice to witness for Jesus in the town of Market Harbour. It requires us to find our voices individually in order that we can find our voice corporately. Let's encourage one another in this. You know, this is not my instruction. This is the instruction that Paul gives in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Even in Paul's churches, there were those who were timid. Yeah? Who wouldn't raise their voices. Who would always choose to let somebody else participate. It says, take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. I want to encourage us this morning that when we're together in our Sunday gatherings, when we're together in our life groups, let's not be timid. Let's take great courage because we have nothing to fear. (laughs) We are sons of the living God who has set the Holy Spirit in our hearts. He has not given us a spirit of, of, of fear, a spirit of timidity at all, but rather be strong, And be very courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. Let me just say this as well. Our faith is not a faith for the intellectual. You don't need A-levels to be a Christian. I'm I'm very grateful. I've not got an A-level to my name. Um, Our faith is not a faith for people who can use long words. Our faith is not a faith for people who can read ancient Greek. Not that any of those things are wrong, 
But you know, the salvation that Jesus brings is salvation for every man. Amen. Yeah? When you think about how dying on the cross, there was a man next to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, remember me. Probably the only faith-filled words he ever spoke in his life. He didn't know a word of ancient Greek. We might have done, actually. But, <laughs> but, he, but, he, but he wasn't a theologian. Yeah, he wasn't a theologian. No, he, he, he wasn't eloquent in his prayer. Yeah, he, he, a simple act of faith. And he knew eternal life from that moment onwards. Maybe sometimes in our gatherings we hear people, people like Stephen pray or hear Julian pray and we go, wow, there's a man who knows God. And we get a little bit intimidated by that and a little bit afraid, thinking, well, if I prayed, I wouldn't pray like that. And here's the thing, you don't need to pray like that because Julian is Julian and Stephen is Stephen and Dave is Dave and <laughs> Joey is Joey. And if... Joey plays like Joey prays. That's authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not be afraid. Let's not be timid. Let's be encouraged to be strong and courageous. Be bodybuilders. <laughs> Part of the body. Yeah. Have you ever seen these body pictures of bodybuilders where their top half is enormous and, and their bottom half is really tiny? Have you ever seen a picture? It's very funny because you get the guys who do all the stuff on the arms and the weights and they're really pumped. And they've got legs. It looks like their legs belong to somebody else altogether <laughs> because they've just never done the leg stuff. Okay? We, we want to be a body that is completely healthy Amen. from top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That every part is functioning to its fullest. Yeah. Yeah? Bodybuilders. Yeah. Here are some words quoted by Peter from the prophet Joel on the day of Pentecost. And uh, it says this, it's found in Acts chapter 2, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see dreams and your old men, sorry, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Now, I was trying to change that because I've had a dream. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> read that again in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit upon all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams in those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants men and women alike and they will prophesy you know to prophesy is to speak out God's word in order to bring something into being I believe that among us there are people who are primed to speak out God's words in order to bring some, something into being. Into being. Yeah. That a word of faith brought to us this morning can cause a spiritual response among us. And if this dream of seeing Jesus as the talk of our town is stirring you as it is stirring me, then let us seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us what needs to happen next. Let's ask him to show us how we should position ourselves, how we should turn ourselves outwards. Why don't we start to speak out what we see? You know, as men and women filled with the Holy Spirit, when we speak something out, we are speaking 
not just to ourselves, not just to our Father, but into all the heavenly realms. Speak a word of faith. Declare the goodness and favour of God over this town. Bring a strong prophetic declaration. Hear, Market Harbour, the word of the Lord. We can ask for great courage and great boldness. And we can continue to pray by name for those people who do not yet know Jesus as their saviour. A few weeks ago, Arna Scargan was with us and he brought this prophetic word, a word from the Lord to this body. He said this, you have been hidden, but now I will expose you for the town. We believe that's a word from God to us. But it's a word not just to reflect on as a bit of history. It's a word to work with. You've been hidden, but now I will expose you for the town. You know, sometime... Um, going back after the day of Pentecost where 3,000 people were saved. Peter and John went to the temple one day and they, and they prayed for a man who had been crippled and he was by the gates of the temple and he always sat there and everyone in the town knew him. And filled with faith, Peter and John lifted him to his feet and, and he was healed immediately and he went on his way, you know, leaping and praising God and just moving quite normally and it was the talk of the town. And, you know, it was the talk of the town to such a degree that the town leaders got really upset about the whole thing. And they got Peter and John and they imprisoned them and they said to them, you mustn't speak about Jesus anymore because everything is going crazy around here. And um, Peter and John were imprisoned overnight and when they were released the following day, oh, and incidentally, another couple of thousand people had been saved as a result of this man... Okay, so there are 3,000 people saved on the day of Pentecost. This guy gets healed, another couple of thousand people are saved. And the disciples gather together the day after Peter and John come out of prison and they pray, pray for boldness and for courage. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if 5,000 people had been added to this body last week whether our first prayer is for boldness and for courage? We'd go, whoa, it's all happening, Yeah. But boldness and courage is what they prayed. Listen to what they prayed together. Acts chapter 4. Give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. There's a call to prayer together on Wednesday. Don't miss it. I think it would be good for us as we finish to be able to respond together and it would be good for a number of us to be able to respond vocally and perhaps lead us in a prayer, perhaps bring that prophetic declaration. We've remembered today that it is God who stirs things in our hearts, who gives us dreams. It's God who goes ahead of us. We've remembered that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We are the people to bring the good news of Jesus to the town. We can live in a place of filling and refreshment. We can speak out God's word over our town. We can hold on to the word of God already spoken to us. And when we're timid and when we're afraid, we can ask for boldness. Thanks for joining us today. 
Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.